Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the Health Wealth Podcast. We've got another action-packed episode for you. Um, I've got Barry with me, and we also have a special guest this week, um, Vaz, who's going to be sharing about his health story, uh, a lot of the things he's learned along the way, and um, what happened to him and how he was able to Im- improve his health. So uh, first off, Barry, it's good to see you again. How are you doing today? Yeah, uh, good to be back, Ryan. Thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to another episode uh things are uh, we've had uh, some great discussions recently and um especially on the the aspects of um you know people's lifestyle choices uh there are financial the financial situation their financial situation and how that applies to you know their their health and and applying that to making the most out of that um in order to to try and uh, implement optimal living uh, in the most cost-effective way. I think that was a really interesting topic, and also just the the, the, the scientific aspect, the studies that we we've, we've discussed, and the results that have been found. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it was great great discussion and uh, great to to have another guest um, to to share his story. Um, and I'm sure we're, we've got a lot of alignment here. So, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great to have the discussions and delve deep into stuff, but it's great to hear the real life stories because I, yeah. I feel they're the parts that hit home because you know, a lot of times, yeah, yeah. Pe- people who've been in, there's probably people listening who've been in the same situation as the person telling the story uh, and, you know, they can see how they help themselves. So without further ado, uh, Vaz, how are you? W- welcome to the show and, and how are you doing today? I'm very well. Thanks, Ryan. And uh, thanks for having me. Big fan. It's nice to be here or to, to sharing some stories and getting the discussion going. So yeah, a little bit about my, about myself. I've um, My weight is probably fluctuated uh, for the better part of like 20 years, but I've always been kind of at a steady weight um, when I've been outside of those um, periods where I've put on weight. But um, when I have put on weight, it's actually just down to like laziness, um, not watching what I eat. Um, the most recent time was probably 2021, um, we're probably in the middle of the second lockdown at that point. And I just thought, you know, to hell with it. I'm going to eat what I like and drink what I like. And um, I didn't really put too many limits on on myself. Um, that being said, I normally walk around around 12 and a half, 13 stone. So I'm just over 5 foot 11. So it's a pretty healthy weight for my height. Um, I managed to get up to around 16 stone. And um, the tipping point for me was when I actually ordered a, a pair of trousers that were like a 36 inch waist and they didn't fit. And I was like, all right, hold on a second. What size I, am I here? And I think I was at like 39 inch waist or something, which is just ridiculous for someone my height. And it's not something that people around me really notice because it's a casual process. You know, you're putting on weight to kind of notice it. But when you look back at pictures, you're like, what what on earth is going on there? Um, so I got up to around six stone, and then I just decided to get back into my youth, uh, which would involve some daily exercise. If it's not daily, then it's every two days. Um, but the battle was really won in the kitchen, and that I think that's the that's the case for everyone. You see, perhaps when you're at the gym, you see a lot of really large people. You know, they're on the stairmaster or the treadmill, and you think. It's great that you're here, but you actually really don't need to be in the gym at this stage of your weight loss journey. You can actually do the heavy lifting, intermittent fasting, which is like an 18-hour fast. Yeah, so I um, basically just made a, a routine to to get into fasting again. But I didn't really put any limitations on what I was eating at that stage. I just thought, I'll get back to fasting and see how it goes. Um, and I also made an effort to... Um, after a couple of weeks to get back into some exercise. Now you're talking minimal exercise, half an hour a day um, of exercise or every second day. So um, that was really the kind of routine that kick-started it. Uh, if you fast forward maybe six weeks from starting this, I'd gone from 16 stone down to 12, um, which is quite a rapid weight loss, but combined with the exercise and the fasting, you know, that really made a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, as you said there, it is the battle is won in the kitchen with weight loss. You, you're absolutely right. And too many people have this, um, this idea in their head of the, a lot of it based on calories of just, you know, eating as little as possible, 
banging out as many um, calories of exercise as they can and think that that's going to gonna help them to drop weight. Uh, and as you say, it's not, it, it's all the, the keys in what you eat. I, I mean, I didn't lose a huge amount when I sort of sorted myself out and got in shape and looked into nutrition. I lost about a stone and a half. It wasn't that much, but um, I actually, during the time I lost it, I was exercising less than I was before. I was just eating the mm. right foods and the, and the weight just dropped off, which, um, you know, seems to be what you found as well. And obviously the intermittent fasting help, helps too as well. So, yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, so I was, as I was saying, it's like, um, I just started to experiment. So I was like, okay, I've lost the weight now. So I maybe not fast um, some of the days, but I'll just watch what I eat. And I found that like my weight was staying the same. Um, and uh, then what I did was um, went back to fasting, but didn't put any limitations on what I was eating. So um, if I was breaking fast at say 6 p.m., I would break fast with something like scrambled eggs, so something really healthy. And an hour later, have a big meal, and then maybe an hour in like chocolate and sugar and all the rest of it. Uh, and I found that my weight was staying the same. Um, so I think if you're doing one of two things, you've got a really good chance of succeeding. Like intermittent fasting is obviously a great way uh, to kind of re- reprogram your body. Um, you, if you're not into the intermittent fasting, then I would probably start by having a later breakfast if you really want to have breakfast, um, but making sure that it's not, you know, granola and fruit, um, which is probably the worst thing you can have for breakfast. And you hear so many people so often say, oh, I had something really healthy this morning. I had some yogurt with some with some fruit. And you're like, oh, brilliant. You just, you know, you've just kickstarted the Randall cycle first thing in the morning. Fantastic. Um but if you're eating something like, again, eggs in the morning, great. Um, and if you're careful with what you eat, I don't really think you need to intermittent fast. Um, but I dropped like four stone in the space of six weeks, um, which is quite an extreme way of doing it. But that was through intermittent fasting and watching what I was eating. So what I would say to people who are uh, trying to, to start weight loss is really if you're not going to do intermittent fasting, just start by eating, eating the right things. Make make sure it's a species-appropriate diet that you're eating. So, you know, high-fat, high-protein. Um, avoid, you know, complex carbohydrates and refined sugars. Avoid, avoid seed oils. You know, they're really the worst things you can do. Um, you know, if you really need to, to be naughty and you want to go and get a breakfast roll, by all means, but when the person behind the counter says, do you want butter in your roll? Just ask if it really is butter, because chances are it's margarine, you know, and it's all these tiny little things that you can do um, just to make sure that you're giving yourself the best chance. Um, so four stone in six weeks, again, very extreme. Um, and where I'm at now is that uh, I'm fasting probably, I would say, five or six days a week. So it's not every day. Um, I'm not really putting a limitation on what I eat after I break fast with a nutrient-dense meal. Um, so if you are going to try intermittent fasting, uh, I wouldn't, you know, go and get a curry to, to break fast with because, you know, you're just undermining a lot of the good work that you've done. Just have something simple and easy to digest. Have some fish or eggs um, or, or beef. Um, wait an hour, hour and a half, and then have something else. And again, you don't need to limit yourself because you've already gone, you know, an 18-hour window um, of not eating. So that's probably the best advice I could give someone who, who's looking to start. Forget about exercise right now. Just try and get all your ducks in a row in terms of your nutrition. Um, try and get some sort of order inside your body. And I think a lot of people, I mean, they're just holding weight and they're gaining weight because their body is just in disarray. You know, I don't know how many times you've maybe caught the early morning train or the early morning bus, bus going to work. And there's somebody opening like a can of Coke, you know, first thing in the morning. It's just like you've already dug uh, a hole for yourself. You're just never going to climb out of. It doesn't matter if you've got a one hour hit class later that evening. There's just no way you're climbing out of that hole. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. With, you know, people don't realize that as soon as you're putting sugar in your body and you're spiking your insulin, your body's just storing fat. You're not you're not going to be burning fat there's no chance it's locked away and it and it's um so many people don't understand and so many people don't understand how much things sugar is 
often. Like you said about people think they've had a healthy breakfast when they've had oats and fruit and whatever. And people say, oh no, I've cut out sugar. I've stopped eating chocolate. So like, yeah, that's, a, that's about 1% of the sugar is chocolate. <laughs> the rest of it's in everything else. So yeah, it's, it's, it's educating people on, on where it is. So, so during those six weeks where you really, you know, you lost that huge amount of weight, what, what kind of did your diet look like on those days? What, what exactly were you eating? Yeah, so I would um, break fast with scrambled eggs. So just, you know, butter in a pan, crack three or four eggs in there, scramble them and I'll have that. Um, and immediately when you have something like eggs, you feel satiated right away. So that was my kind of breaking fast, let's say 6 p.m., maybe even a little earlier, let's go 5 p.m. Um, then I would wait an hour, hour and a half and have some dinner. Um, normally involves um, some kind of protein, so mainly beef. Um, so, I mean, one of the simplest things you can make is get some, some mints from the butcher if you can, or the supermarket, don't get me wrong. It's, it's great to, to try and get grass finished or grass fed beef from an ethical butcher. That's, that's the way we want to do things. But if it's from the supermarket, so be it. Uh, it's a little bit cheaper and, you know, with the whole, um, cost of living or cost of lockdown crisis, whatever you want to call it, um, everyone's obviously, um, under some financial strain so yeah it's something as simple as beef just get some sea salt in there butter in the pan again and just make some burger patties really simple melt some cheese on top again try and avoid ultra processed cheeses and just have something simple like Ted. mozzarella for example yeah and uh, you know you, you, whenever people ask me this so you have like cheeseburgers for dinner and I'm like yeah and they kind of go oh okay and they almost kind of skew their face and it's like I, th- I thought telling you that ha- having cheeseburgers would be good news, you know. Um, uh, so that would be like a really basic quick dinner. Um, otherwise, I would cook some fish uh, or a steak, again, with butter. So I'd, I wouldn't be cooking in like any kind of oil. Um, I would introduce some veg to it, um, like tender stem broccoli or asparagus, something like that. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't be, you know, trying to eat kale or, or spinach, things that are high in oxalates. I mean... You know, you, you hear some people say, oh, I had I put some kale in my smoothie and so on. And you're like, are you kidding me on? You know, kale kale's so toxic that animals who can digest it walk past it in the wild. They don't even touch it. It's why you see ma- it's why you see massive bags of kale on the shelves in the supermarkets. You know, it's not fit for them. And they've got three stomachs, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah so make sure it's sensible. And I mean, and a kale as well, that they market it as being... Um high in vitamin k don't they but but we need vitamin k2 and kale is vitamin k1 so it's not even even that's not useful to us so yeah it's kale's literally uh literally pointless to us yeah essentially and you know um, even if it does let's say it did have k2 it's yeah. also the question of bioavailability how well can your body really extract those uh those nutrients there's a lot of people that are on a plant-based diet um who'll go onto a website like chronometer for example and they'll punch in what it is of, of of this vegetable. That means I'm getting K2. No, it's bioavailability as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of stuff in plants that um, stop stop it being absorbed, as you said, and, and people aren't aware of it. So it's, um, yeah, it's a, that, that's a topic that, you know, we spoke on that a, while, a bit and there's, there's lots of stuff that you can really get into on that as well. Um, what, talk, talk us through what, you, what you're eating now as well to i guess you're just kind of in a maintenance phase now you're not looking to to lose weight so so what does your your eating look like now yeah so right now um it's actually pretty basic yeah a lot of people laugh when i tell them uh, i eat the same as my dog (laughs) (laughs) yeah my dog eats you know beef and eggs (laughs) and they kind of laugh um but yeah, usually, I mean, I eat eggs every single day. It's probably the first thing that I eat. And again, if you're not into intermittent fasting and you're having them in the morning, by all means, great. So scrambled egg, um, probably the first thing that I eat. Or an omelette. I'll go on to like a, a regular dinner an hour and a half after that. And the way I see it is that, you know, I've gone 16 to 18 hours not eating. I've, I've given my body some nutrients after a long fast. I've stayed hydrated throughout that 16 to 18 hour period. Um, by drinking water, uh, I'll, I'll I'll have black coffee in the day, um, which is fine. Um, but yeah, an hour and a half after breaking fast, I'll just have a regular dinner. And again, it it could be anything. It could be like it could be a steak, it could be burgers, it could be fish, chicken. If you've fasted, 
you've eaten something that's nutrients and you've maybe got a workout in, there's no reason that you can't have it. Um, for those people that are not into intermittent fasting, um, what I would say is that um, if you're eating more regularly through the day, um, just like you said, Ryan, like try and avoid sugar um, as you can. And, and literally in most things, isn't it, these days? Yeah, I'm seeing that, you know, um, sugar is just found in a lot of things that you wouldn't expect. And um, I was reading recently that if you, um, you know, you go to McDonald's and order some fries, there's, I think, 12 ingredients in the fries. Um, the salt has three ingredients, um, which is almost comical. Um, one of them is sugar. And you kind of wonder why kids are addicted to Happy Meals when, when they're having, you know, fries that have got sugar in them. So um, what I would say is try and avoid sugar and, um, you know, just make sure it's not in there because chances are it is. Um, even if you're having like a pack of crisps, for example, there's loads of crisps that have sugar in them, which you wouldn't expect. Um, it's just that it's that perfect storm, isn't it? You know, you've got the cut some carbohydrates, potato, then throw in some sugar and it's like no wonder people can't get enough. So... Um, yeah, start by you know eliminating sugar, or if you are going to have it, just make sure it's kind of like the last thing you eat. So if I have like scrambled eggs, for example, to break fast, then I'll have some um, some dinner. Um, what I'll do is I'll then wait maybe an hour again, uh, hour and a half, and then if I want some chocolate, I'll have some, but that will be the last thing that I eat. Um, um, yeah, so that's kind of it's quite a basic routine. Uh, a lot of people probably wonder, is there any fun in that? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, it, who doesn't like steak, right? Who doesn't like who doesn't like cheeseburgers? Um, and you know, you can mix it up. There's there's tons of things you can do. I don't know how many books there are out there that are on the carnivore diet. And this isn't even the carnivore diet. You know, it's just it's just a high high protein, high fat intake. So more, more whatever, keto, more ketogenic than carnivore. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you're absolutely right that um, it's, it's been shown that if you're having carbs, if you have them after in your protein and fats, you get less of an insulin spike and and less yeah. of a, a blood glucose spike as well. So it, you know, as you say, even just the way you eat things, the the order you eat things in can make a difference to your health. And like you say, to to start with, you just want to get some some small wins, and you, just a couple changes can start to give you those those small wins as. You know, I'm I'm sure that that you found with yours. Yeah, it's absolutely true. It's um, you don't have to make drastic changes, but if you can make a series of small ones, then it is going to go in your favour. Um, I think that um, you know, once you're at the stage where um, let's say you're considerably overweight and you've you've made some real gains, uh, just by sorting out your diet, and then you're going to consider exercising regularly or semi regularly. I don't think it has to be anything elaborate. Um, my, my hard and fast rule is kind of, you know, once a day, just get out of breath or lift something heavy. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. You know, it, it could be something like a 20 minute run, just do hill sprints. I don't know. Um, I don't know where you live, Ryan, but I'm sure there's a hill uh, around yeah, most people. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, they're not hard to find. Just sprint up the hill three, four times and get out of breath. Um, you, you know, you don't need a, to spend... 30 pounds at a PT session. Uh, you don't need a fancy gym. Uh, it could be something as simple as that. So um, I'd recommend, you know, once a day, just kind of getting out of breath and lifting something heavy. If you are going to, you know, have a day where it's, you know, a cheap day, let's say you don't want to do any fasting, uh, you don't want to eat particularly healthy. I mean, it's absolutely fine, but I think as long as you get back on course fairly quickly, like the next day, just make sure you're well hydrated maybe even do a little intermittent fast just to offset that that cheat day um that works quite well as well absolutely and also if you are going to have a cheat meal if you exercise afterwards uh that will bring your blood glucose down a lot quicker uh meaning meaning you'll have, you'll have less of a spike you can kind of help your body to to bring it back down you'll have less of an insulin spike as well so there's definitely ways ways around it and as you say with exercise i think just being active every day is what people need to be. As you said, it doesn't have to be a huge workout, especially at the start. Just be active, whatever that is, whether that's, as you said, you, you know, you could go for a long walk to start with. You could go for a run. You could lift some lightweights at first and then you you can build it up. But just being active every day is good for your, more for your health than, as you said, the weight loss is done in the kitchen. The the exercise is more for your your, your health and, your you know, your joints and your like making your body work it's not really for, for for losing weight but it is important for that and, um, yeah, and, maintaining, and I, muscle, maintaining muscle um, exactly yeah for 
but yeah and, and building muscle to be honest the exercise but, i i try and use exercise more for gaining weight than for losing yeah. weight because yeah. i'm eating yeah. right i know i'm not going to get fat because i'm eating right but in order to add muscle you've yeah. got to work your muscles you know even eating perfectly you're not going to add muscle unless you're doing something so that that's i try and use exercise to add it yeah it just gives you the foundation the, the, yeah. the diet and the nutrition and then the exercise builds on top of that your muscle mass and uh, your your athleticism and your strength and your fitness and your endurance so it's a, it's a really good point ryan um you know there's um uh, there's exercise for losing weight and there's exercise for, for gaining weight. But I, I find myself like, you know, if I go long periods without exercise, I don't feel as good on a day-to-day basis. Like my joints kind of don't feel as, don't feel as good. Um, as soon as I go and, you know, do some deadlifts and just work on the posterior column. So just back workouts, I feel like my posture so much better. Um, and I just, I, I even sleep better as well. So just making sure that you're doing, semi-regular exercise is really important and um, I, I tend to exercise when I'm still fasted and a, a question that a lot of people ask me is that how, how do you have the energy for that and what I always say is that you know eating regularly um, three meals a day let's say that's that's a modern way of of living that that's a something that society has almost in, in, imposed on us you know three square meals a day um, the other one is breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Um, you don't really need to be eating that regularly. The, the body will just tap into its ancestral past. You will find energy, you know. It's gluconeogenesis at the end of the day, but it's gluconeogenesis as a function of uh, demand, not as a function of supply. Exactly, and and that's just to, to produce glucose. I mean, your, your body can just run off, off the fat and ketones. Um, I, th- mm-hmm. I think, uh, I'm pretty sure it's, the average average size male not overweight carries around i think it's at least 50,000 calories of fat on their body at, at any one time and that's someone in decent wow. shape so you know once you if you become a fat burner because you're not eating a high carb diet like you say you're not going to run out of energy it's you know a lot of it is mental for people you know they 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 think they're going to run out of energy and and obviously if you are on carbs you you've not run out of energy but you've got to switch from glucose to fat burning and that's hard and your body's got to force you to. I don't know if you've, um, uh, a guy I've listened to a lot recently, uh, Tim Noakes. Do you know, do you know Tim Noakes? I don't know. Uh, so on the exercise side, he, he's, he's South African. Um, he's, he's been around for years. He, I mean, he originally, he was like the godfather of, of carb ups, like, you know, carb loading. And then eventually as you know, sort of 10 or 12 years ago, he realized he was completely wrong. He actually got taken to court in South Africa because he changed his mind and they, he had to go to court for years. He basically wiped the floor with them and, and proved all the signs, but, but it, it's, it's actually your brain, which tells you to stop exercise. It's not your muscles are tired. Your brain tells you to stop exercising because the brain's getting low on glucose and it doesn't want to die. So your brain tells you to, but your muscles could keep going. So if you're fat burning and your brain's running mainly on ketones, then then you're fine. But yeah, it, a lot of it is mental when people talk about the energy. But I've, as I'm sure you did, I remember being like that. I used to eat high carb. I was into health and fitness. I thought I was fit. And if I went an hour or two without eating, I, I could feel it. And and it's and it's crazy. It's just down to to what you eat. It, it's I've, mm-hmm. I'm so different now, and it's just because I changed what I ate. I, di- I didn't change anything else. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, it's really important what you said as well about the difference between you know sugar and, and ketones. Um, but I mean, we're used to. I mean, for thousands of years, let's say we were hunting an animal. Let's say you expend massive amounts of energy tracking and hunting an animal often that wouldn't result in a successful hunt. So you would go hungry, then you would try again the next day. Maybe you'd go hungry again. So, you know, from an ancestral point of view, we're, we're used to, to, to finding energy uh, on, on an empty stomach. Um, and it's like, you know, it's kind of modern society that's pushed this, you know, you need to eat regularly uh, onto us. But it's the same with anything, you know, a surefire way of being bang average is to adopt any mainstream ideology or practice so what i would say to people is that you know what most people are doing just to try and do the opposite and see what happens <laughs> absolutely is is we, we often say uh, on the podcast that literally it's it's kind of tongue-in-cheek but it's not but if you do the opposite of what governments and health organizations advise you to do you'll be very healthy if you just did the exact opposite if, if you invented a diet that was just called do the opposite and you did it you'd be quite healthy it's and it's um funny and all but also sad and slightly worrying because the majority of people take the advice 
um, and they end up the opposite, of which, yeah, which of is course. unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like um, you know um, it's funny people will throw terms like conspiracy theorist around when you when you start to challenge this sort of thing, but I, I actually wear that as a badge of honour now. Um, but it's not too hard to believe, is it, that you've got big pharma on one side and then you've got the food industry on the other, and they're working together. You know, um, you know, if, if it's going to make people sick, and big pharma will step in with the medicine to make you better. You know, and round and round you go. And these are probably the two biggest industries in the world. You know, you're talking multi-billion pound industries. Um, it's not so hard to believe that, you know, they, they might have uh, some policies that are aligned. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's a perfect business model, really. It, it's absolutely <laughs> perfect. As you say, they're locked in that cycle. Bad. They're addicted to the bad food um, and it makes them ill and they go to the doctor because that's the only thing they know and they get prescribed drugs and it just it just continues. Then they need drugs for their drugs. And then they're eating worse food, and you know, it's, <laughs> they're just um, it's, it's a, yeah. a vicious cycle, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you know, you should always be skeptical of any doctor where the the solution to your health problem is additive rather than subtractive. And um, how many times do people go to a GP and the GP says, "No, stop doing that, stop eating that," and for for heaven's sake, try and do some exercise? They don't, are they allowed to say that now in the UK? You know. And in, in, in the cotton wool UK, I don't even know if GPs can even say that to you now. So it's always additive; it's never subtractive, is it? Exactly, and and it always you know comes with side effects and and makes it worse. And unfortunately, it plays into the the fact of we're a lazy society. And we were speaking about this last week: how dangerous you know convenience and comfort is. And that's part of the the thing you you tell people, you know, you just change your diet and lifestyle, you cure yourself of this but the doctor's offering them a pill, which could have some side effects, but it's one pill a day. They're going to take the pill because that's easy. Yeah, it's sad. It, it really is. It really is sad. Just just going back to uh, just quickly about the the, the, the mode of and the, the the types of exercise, you know, you, you're, do, you're doing health sprints fast, you know, and that's short-term intense training right there. You know, you're packing a lot into a short space of time and you're doing yourself in. You know, I think uh, I do the health sprints every other Sunday. I should do it more, but it literally only takes ten minutes, and you feel like you've been you've exercised for three hours after it. You're literally done in, and that is a lot more beneficial for your endurance and your your cardio and your immune system than just going through a a leisure session of forty five minute exercises. You know that I, I, unfortunately I see far too many people doing. I don't, it, I, I go in, into the gym and most all, most people are not out of breath. They don't even look close to out of breath. You should be out of breath if you're doing yeah. it, right? You know, so, and again, it is about being efficient with it. You And this is also comes on to, um, you know, the course that, that, I'm, that I'm building and, and, and promoting. Uh, you can do a lot of, really intense exercise using minimal equipment for on in a very short period of time so that's what counts is what you're doing in it it's not how long you're exercising for it's absolutely true barry yeah absolutely true and um you know things like health sprints they will get your heart rate up really quick yeah, it is really really intense and <clears throat> i think you want to get your heart rate up as high as possible when you're doing cardio it, you know some people will go for a long run and get there after an hour if you can get there in 10 minutes you know the, the way i see it is what's the difference um, if you're not training for some sort of endurance event, there's no reason for you to be running miles and miles and putting no. stress on your joints. Um, and, having your body, and, and having your body store, uh, you know, the, the, the energy as well. So, you know, the fat so that you're not burning it when you're running over a long distance. You know, that's normally what happens. Yeah, I think that there's there's been research done that, now don't quote me on this because I could be wrong on the times, but either five or ten minutes of sprinting, is better than like an hour of, of cardio, like long running, better for you in terms of your cardiovascular health, even weight loss, if that's what you're trying to do and everything. It's, I agree, high intensity for a short period of time is the best way to exercise. Um, it, I, I don't, I do all mine at home um, and I don't exercise massive amounts to be honest, but I, I exercise at home. But I used to, years ago, I'd go to the gym and, and you see guys, I'm sure you guys are the same, we've been to gyms. You see guys who spend like three hours a day in there just like taking their time and, and doing a workout and doing another. And I really wonder how much benefit they're actually getting from that. 
I, I don't think there's much. I think it's just a hobby they enjoy being there. I doubt they're getting much physical um, benefit from it. No, it's very true. Very true indeed. And, um, you know, when you see these young guys at the gym these days, it's always, you know, they're looking at their phone in between sets. <laughs> these really, really long rest periods between sets. And it's like, you know, it's like a, just a leisurely workout. Um, don't get me wrong, if you're 22, you can probably get away with that. But when you start getting a little bit older, you know, I think you do need to up the intensity. Um, but, you know, sitting in, in the gym for an hour and a half, you know, doing, you know, really basic exercises uh, on machines, it's, it's just vanity training at the end of the day. Uh, I don't really think it's adding much. You know, if you're going to lift weights, go and do deadlifts, do something that's, you know, your big compound exercises, it's going to have real, real benefits. And, you know, doing something like a clean and press, for example, it's going to get your heart rate right up as well. So you're getting that heavy lifting and your heart rate up. So, you know, just try and be smart, especially if you're limited for time. And we all are these days. Just be smart about how you're exercising. Make sure it's intense. Um, you only need 30 minutes. Um, just make sure it's as intense as possible. Yeah, but even taking exercise out of the equation for people who are starting from, from, from stage one, they have some weight to lose. Just forget about the gym. Uh, get into the kitchen. Make sure that's sorted out. And you'd be amazed how easy it is to actually start fasting because let's say you go to bed at midnight, let's say, um, you wake up in the morning, um, everyone hits the snooze button, don't they, in the morning? So we're all running late for work, let's face it. So skip breakfast, there you go, that's one meal skipped. Have some black coffee, make sure you're hydrated and just push lunch a little bit later into the day. So if it's 12 o'clock, try one o'clock, then try two o'clock, then try three o'clock. So before you know it, you know, let's say you go to bed at midnight, by the time three o'clock rolls around, you know, you're already 15 hours into a fast you know it's not that it's not that difficult to get up to that that 16 17 18 hour mark yeah i agree and and you can you know start it in stages if you're not used to i i kind of eased into everything in stages as i just delved deeper and deeper into nutrition and so i dropped breakfast and for a while i was i was eating lunch and dinner still and then and then as i looked into it more then i dropped lunch so you know you you could just start by skipping breakfast as you say lunch is normal and then you could you could skip that. And I think a really important thing to help with intermittent fasting is to, to eat the right foods. You know, if, it doesn't have to be perfect, but if you can eat better foods, it's a lot easier to go a long period without eating when you're eating nutritious food. Where if you're just eating, you know, basically empty calories of sugar and and, and empty carbs, then it's going to be quite hard to it's going to be a, need a lot more discipline to go that longer period. So I think if you're eating the right foods, it makes it a lot easier. And like you say, it's not that hard. We, we've again we've spoke about this a lot and i was one of those people i could i would not i refused didn't matter what it was if we were going to the airport i refused to leave the house in the morning without eating breakfast i couldn't handle it i refused to and now i can go a whole day without eating and it, and it's again it's another thing that's mental it's, it's really not that hard and as you say start small remove breakfast start eating better foods then remove lunch and suddenly you're there you're you've, you're fasting for nearly a whole day at a time and eating the right foods and you're away yeah, yeah. And I feel like sometimes it's difficult for people to start. There's just so much disinformation out there, isn't there? Um, I feel like, you know, those of us that do fast, we're still kind of uh, in, a, in a niche, if that makes sense. We're still kind of like, you know, because again, you've had um, the, the food industry um, and all this mainstream information for decades now, just saying, you know, you need to eat three times a day. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You know, and it's all nonsense, really, but people are, are continuously fed with so much disinformation. And there's always, like, the next diet or the next fad, isn't there, as well, to distract people. And, like, that's the reason they call it a diet is because, you know, something's got to give. It's, it's not a natural way of eating, you know. That's why it's called a diet. And there's so many of them because they don't work. If they worked, well, why are there hundreds of them? Yeah, spot on. Spot on. And that, that's the thing. It's, it's a diet. It's a plan. What it should be is a change in habit. And an, edu and an education on what it is you should be eating and the, the, the inflammatory foods to remove completely so that you just know what to do. You don't have to track your calories and count your calories and all of this stuff. You know, if you're actually really eating optimally and you're, you're doing it within a smaller time frame, there's no need to do all of that. That's just, it, it's, it, comes, um, it becomes a pointless exercise and it doesn't guarantee as we've, spoke about many times in the podcast it doesn't guarantee um or uh, true optimal health either because you're just following a, a very stringent plan but you come off that plan you haven't 
built up any credit in your body and you you will end up putting that weight on a lot quicker. Whereas if you can educate yourself on how to truly eat optimally and do it within, even if it's an eight hour an eating window, you know, that, that that's that's 16 hours. That's not that's not very difficult at all. But at least you're confining it and you're having you're not constantly in a fed state. And you're not having to when you eat truly optimally and you're getting the the right amount of protein and, and healthy fats in, then you don't need to calorie count. It becomes pointless. So a lot of this influence now is that encourages people to do that. It's it, it works for but only on a short term basis. It's not a long term solution. You know, you're absolutely right, Barry. And it's um uh, it's going back to the whole the, you know the whole thing. There's like there's this pressure from the mainstream, and you know people. Uh, have the innate ability to to kind of you know um, to to know if something's not quite right, but people will still go along with it. Like for example, people throughout let's go back to lockdown and COVID. For example, people were taking healthcare advice uh, from individuals whose own personal health was clearly ailing. Uh, that didn't raise alarm bells for people. I'm taking healthcare advice for some from someone that weighs 240 pounds. I don't know if you've seen the the health ministers for Scotland in the UK mm. and. Canada yeah. and America, but they're probably the last people in the world that you would take healthcare advice from. Um, Absolutely, and, it, it, and it's like it's like going to a dentist who's got dentures, and that would probably raise alarm bells, wouldn't it? You know, you're going to a dentist who doesn't have any teeth themselves, um, and you know, it's not so hard, is it, to take healthcare advice from from people who are actually displaying the level of health that you want to aspire to have, you know? Um, so, maybe the two things i would say to people who are maybe um stuck in a rut exactly you're right in anything in life you shouldn't take advice from people that aren't where you want to be so as you say if someone's health is poor don't take health advice from them take health advice from people who are healthy you know take money advice from people who are rich <laughs> don't take money advice from poor people and don't take health advice from unhealthy people it's the, it's the same <laughs> thing and and as you say we're just really um really kind of uh, brainwashed into just accepting it from anyone who's in a position of authority or who's a doctor, you know, there was, um, I, I post videos all the time and I, I can't remember. It was, it was one I posted on and someone commented on it um, you know, disagreeing with me. So I replied a bit and they said something about, you know, you think, you think, you know, more than a doctor or something like that. And I said, well, yeah, I said, to be honest on nutrition. Yes, I do. I said, you know, <laughs> what doctors don't reverse um, health conditions, you know, that they don't, they, they make them what they deal with. They cover up symptoms and mostly make it worse. I was like, well, you know, we're here reversing health conditions. So I would say, yeah, I do know more. And, um, but people just think oh, a doctor knows everything, but you know, doctors themselves will tell you the amount of nutritional training they get in, um, in their training is absolutely minimal. And to be honest, even if they got a lot, it wouldn't matter because they would be trained the same as the mainstream information is, which is, you know, terrible. I had people say to me, oh, we, you know, are you a qualified dietitian? I say, well, no, because I'm not brainwashed. I wouldn't want to be a qualified dietitian because what are they going to teach me? They're going to teach me everything that I know isn't true. So what what's the point? But, but it makes it really hard for people because, you know, I thought I was knowledgeable on health. I thought I was reasonably knowledgeable on food and I thought I was living pretty healthy. And eventually I realized I wasn't. And I had to be open to that. We talk a lot on the on the podcast about being open minded and, you know, being a critical thinker. And I had to accept the the possibility that I was wrong. And so I looked into it, you know, found I was wrong and kept looking and looking until I, you know, found the truth out. But a lot of people aren't really willing to open their mind to anything. It makes it hard. Absolutely. Absolutely, Ryan. And it's, uh, you know, GPs for the most part, they tend to be kind of order takers these days, don't they? It's kind of like, you know, little drop down menu, click, let's try solution one. Or we tried solution one, so let's go to option two, you know, and so on. Uh, there's not, um, I don't think there's a lot of like you said critical thinking when it comes to to that side of things, and it's quite it's quite annoying because people have got, got their faith uh, in this system. They put their faith in that, you know, the degree that this person has. But um, I really think that a lot of ailments and um, you know comorbidities can be addressed just by your diet alone. We've seen people reverse. Um, a number of, of conditions just by, you know, uh, adopting a species appropriate diet, you know, and, and, and changing that side of things. So before you go down the route of, you know, trying a, a medicine or therapy, you know, start with the diet because chances are uh, that might bring you a long way along, you know. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. 
from what I found so far looking into stuff and, you know, from working with people and, and hearing people's stories, uh, I'm not convinced I've yet seen any health condition that's not massively improved or completely reversed by just diet and lifestyle. I don't, I don't think there's anything I've come across that that's not. And yeah. And as you said, with your obviously, you know, more weight loss you, you were doing, but it wasn't actually that hard. You know, pe people think oh, changing diet and lifestyle sounds like hard work. It's not. It's really not that much hard work. Um, unfortunately, people need a why to make them do it. And unfortunately, normally they only get that why once they have a serious, serious health condition and it's very far down the line. People don't tend to um, value their health at all until their health is gone. Yeah, totally true. And, um, and what we're seeing now is like, you know, I don't want to go on a rant about things like veganism, but as tempting as it is but you know you've got parents now that are raising their children vegan and it's like well what kind of start are you giving them in life you know um you know it's, ba it's bad enough that you know let's say a generation before us or two generations before us you know they were raised on what would have been a much more um fit diet for humans um you know back 50s 60s 70s um you know if you were raised on the right diet and then you end up being grossly overweight okay that's quite that's bad but um, it must be even worse um, for kids that are actually raised with the wrong diet. You know, they've got all the work still ahead of them, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it, it's terrible. It, it is because the thing with, you know, veganism, you know, there's some people might go vegan to try and help their health. And, you know, if you, if you were really strict and really careful on a vegan diet, you could maybe do okay for a little while. But it's deficient. We know it's deficient. Um, in, in nutrients you can't get everything you need um, and even for an adult trying really hard and everything you know they could scrape by long term it's probably going to catch up with them for a kid that's that's the most important part in your life where you need the right nutrition as a kid when you're growing and for them to be missing out on it you know it's it's really sad and it and it's cruel and you know you see stories of, of kids you know with malnutrition all these issues from vegan but there, there was a really sad story a while back of um, a bait there's a couple they were really ex extreme and they had like a, and their little baby uh, died of like malnutrition from it. And it's, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. horrible and you've got to give them um, the right nutrition. And the, the worst thing I find about veganism is like I say, if someone goes vegan to try and improve their health, at least they're trying to improve their health. But the majority of people who go vegan, it's literally just for like moral reasons or because it's popular. It's not even for a good reason. And then yeah. they're forcing that on their kids. Yes. For sure. And they just they want to throw up that flag of virtue a lot of the time, don't they? You know, oh, I'm doing it for the animals, but like veganism is an ideology that's not just nutritionally bankrupt, but it's morally and environmentally bankrupt as well. Yeah. You know, ju just starting on nutrition alone, you know, you're getting all those um, endocrine disruptors and plant defense chemicals and anti-nutrients, aflatoxins, indigestible fiber from all the, you know, all the plants that you're eating, number one. Um, you're not getting the things that you need um from from eating something like beef um so right off the bat you, you're doing badly um from a nutritional standpoint um you know then there's the the whole environmental issue um you know um clearing large swaths of land um you know to plant you know single crop areas um and then there's the whole you know morality factor as well you know vegans that say they do it for the animals uh, completely blind to the fact that they are probably killing more animals than carnivores. Um, you know, clearing all that land, you know, ground nesting birds, small mammals, etc. Yeah. De decimated. Then you're planting these seeds and then you're spraying them with pesticides. You're killing billions of insects along the way. Um, you know, so, you know, it, it's absolute carnage. And they think that, you know, you know I'm saving the fluffy farm animals, but they, they don't really care about all the other billions of animals that they're killing. And, you know, just bees alone, I mean, billions of bees are being wiped out because they need to have almond milk in their skinny lattes. You know, it's it's absolutely outrageous. And you can test the theory a number of ways. Why, why is veganism wrong? Well, nutritionally, you know, we've already proven that it's completely devoid of key nutrients. Uh, it's packed with plant defence chemicals. Um, you know, let's go back to the before the agricultural revolution, which was, what, 8,000 years ago, 9,000 years ago? Um, before that, you know, we weren't sowing seeds. So, you, you know, we would, we've never been in the wild and then stumbled across a nut bush, you know, or, or, or a tree with all these ripe bananas on it. It just didn't happen back then. You know, we, we hunted animals. Um, I've yet to see a cave painting depicting farming 
And, you know, I've, I've issued this challenge to, to, to vegans on, on numerous occasions. Is like, do you have a forest uh, near your house? Yes, okay. What I'd like you to do is walk into that forest and start consuming the vegetation and see how long you last. You know, you're going to be dead within 48 hours from some kind of poisoning. So to think that this is how we, we, were, we were eating before the agricultural revolution is just insane. Um, then there's also, like, you know, there's the... Um, the patch test, you know, it's um, toddler in a high chair. You know, you can put some broccoli in front of the toddler. You know, they're, they're going to virtually gag at the sight of it. Um, you know, give them like a chicken bone or something to play with or a chicken leg or something and they just can't get enough, you know. And that child or that toddler has no concept of life or death or the fact that an animal's given their life so they could eat that. They've got no concept of that. They just know what's inherently good for them and what isn't. Um and this is just something they can't wrap their heads around, you know. Absolutely, you summed it up right there with the ideology. It's it's like veganism is like a religion or a cult. It's not about you know health and nutrition. Like you know, people they try and argue with you know people who are on the carnivore side or whatever. But people who are on the carnivore side are there for health. You know, they are they are there because it has helped their health. You know, the amount of health stories there are is crazy. The amount of ex vegans that have had to go carnivore and have had amazing turnarounds in their health. It's crazy. They're, they're there for health and because it works. Vegans are there because of the ideas in their head and they can't back them up. Most of them, as you said, you know, an environmental one and um, talking about, you know, they bring up the meat, the methane from cows, the, the grass that cows eat, if they didn't eat it, when it died and rotted, it would release the same amount of methane as a cow releases from its body. So there's, there's no difference <laughs> to the atmosphere and to the planet. And it's part of the natural cycle. And, you know, as you said about all the the farmland and stuff and you know they they try and pretend there's no animals being killed there and when you say about oh the amount of the planet being destroyed for crops they say oh well a large percentage of that is for animals but what they don't realize is that we are more than happy for our animals to just feed on grass we don't want those crops growing from you know for for for, you know for the animal-based thing they will feed on grass they're part of the natural cycle we don't need these grains grown grown for them that's done by them i think it's 12 percent of the available um earth land on the earth is is being used just for seed oils like 12 percent or something like that and and it will be destroyed like you said that they're destroying the soil so there's there's no argument for the vegan side that stands up like you say they're killing more animals doing it than we are you know a cow will feed a family for a year you know that's one animal that how many are they killing to just to get a a thing of broccoli they're probably they're killing thousands so yeah yeah as you said, yeah. nutritionally doesn't stand up, morally doesn't stand up, environmentally doesn't stand up. You know, there's no reason to be it. As I say, if someone goes into veganism for their health, well done for them for trying to sort out the health, but they're probably going the wrong way. Yeah. But but hopefully, eventually, they'll come the right way. But that's a, that's a valid reason. If you go vegan for your health, fair enough, try and sort your health out. But 90% of them, it's nothing to do with health. As you said, it's the ideology and none of it stands up. That's it. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, in the short term, it could give you some relief from the standard American diet. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's by, yeah. by no means a viable option in the mid to long term. Almost all vegans uh, end up not being vegans. The ones that <laughs> didn't revert back are dead. Um, you know, um, so it, it, no one's a lifelong vegan. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's for good reason. You know, um, and by the way, on the standard American diet, the healthy, the healthiest thing in the burger still is the is the meat. <laughs> That's true. That's it. And and as yeah. you said, it is a step up from the standard American diet. So lots of people will go vegan and will see improvement in their health. Ab- absolutely. But that's because of all the rubbish they've cut out. It's not because they're eating the right diet for humans. It, it's just they've cut out the rubbish and it's improved their health. But, you know, things are going to start to catch, catch up with them. And, um, you know, they can, it's a strange thing as well. Most vegans want their food to look like meat. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that, <clears throat> which is really odd. It's like, okay, so you're absolutely horrified by the fact that an animal's had to go to an abattoir, yet, you know, you want your, your beyond meat, um, you know, bacon to look like bacon. It's really weird. Um, uh, and, uh, and they all have cats as well. They all have hyper, <laughs> obligate hyper carnivores as pets. Um, it's just, yeah, it's really strange. <laughs> yeah, and they, and they know instinctively that that is the right t- type of food that humans should be should be eating and consuming, which is why they wanted to assume the meat form, you know, because yeah. they, know, they know instinctively 
genetically in terms of the evolutionary as well that that is the right form for consuming food for for humans yeah. and they're just trying to to make to make out uh, to make something uh, they're trying to they're trying to basically fit that the square into a round hole and it's just not happening it's it's ludicrous um it's it's a scam and um you know the the the, the other thing is the the the, the fact that Thousands of animals are being killed so that fertilizer uh, can be produced in order to grow the vegetables that they eat. But they don't care about that, you know. Um, so when they, they bring up mm -hmm. the animal argument, they've got no argument there at all. That's that, that's been proven. It's a height of hypocrisy, in my opinion. So it's very true, Barry. And um, you know, the, the they always uh, seem to be into the kind of you know the climate as well. Uh, the mm. veganism and climate change seem to go hand in hand. Meanwhile, all their avocados are being piled onto jets so they can be flown across from, from South America. And just oh, yeah. on that point about, you know, them wanting their food to look like meat, um, I don't know if you saw, but there was a, a vegan butcher that opened in London. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's it's complete with the, you know, the counter. And then you've got everything that looks like real meat behind the counter and you have the guy dressed as the butcher, but none of it's meat. Um, I think it's actually closed down now, but there's plenty of images on Google if you want to grab it for the pod. So yeah. um, it's just ludicrous. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that's closed down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, as you say, I think it's, it's a natural thing that, like you say, they know that's what we should naturally be eating. I, I don't know about yeah. you. I've uh, Personally, and I've never come across anyone else who's animal based who has ever wanted a meat version of broccoli. <laughs> or or carrots or anything you know it's, there's no need like we, we'd that's our food and we eat it the fact that they want to replicate it as you say is because you know they naturally they know that that's what they should be eating so they're trying to create their own version of it but and that's just a giveaway you know we i've said lots of time you know that you know posted memes about it like you know why do vegans always want to make their food look like meat and they you know they're saying oh well why not make a burger out of plant-based if it's better it's not better it's got about 100 ingredients a burger is just a burger <laughs> it's, it's uh and that, that actually brings me back to a point i was going to make earlier when, when we were talking about um just eating healthier and getting rid of sugar and you know how hard it is that a, a basic thing that people can start with is just don't eat any foods that have got ingredients like it, if you can eat single food single ingredient foods as much as possible that's basically your only way to avoid sugar pretty much every food that has an ingredients list i can guarantee you number two or number three on the ingredient list will be some form of sugar pretty much everything so you know just it, you can just start by having single ingredient foods or you know one two ingredients and that just make it real simple it i think simple is best 100 percent, and um that's really kind of what informed my kind of diet when I, I don't like to say diet but my eating habits when I was losing weight it was like really basic stuff you know as uh, I'd be hard pressed to, to to even give you kind of one recipe that I used because I didn't it was literally just there's a bit of fish I'll have that um in terms of like meat it was always like beef steak burgers that kind of thing I'd always have eggs every single day I eat about three to four eggs a day um in terms of cheese, it was always healthy cheese or reasonably healthy cheese. So things like mozzarella, feta, halloumi, um, occasionally like goat's cheese. Um, so nothing really super refined. Um, but, you know, if you were to compile the number of ingredients that I would have in a day, you know, you I don't think you would get into double digits. And like you said, you've got these foods out there that have literally hundreds of ingredients in them and mainly the main culprit is sugar but the sugar industry did a really good job of, of you know diverting attention away from themselves you know uh, back in uh, i think it was maybe 50s 60s by demonizing salt you know too much salt is bad for you yeah okay if you're eating processed you know synthetic salt yeah I would stay away from that but sea salt i really don't see any issue with as long as you're well hydrated when i cook a steak i, I you know there's almost as much salt on the plate as there is steak, you know. Um, I really don't limit it, so and I'm, yeah. I, I seem to be fine. So, especially pink Himalayan salt as well, which is very beneficial nutrition wise. Yeah, salt salt is important to us. It's really important beneficial, and like you say, when you especially when you start eating better, you crave the salt. You know, yeah. I'm the same, salt and everything, and we need it. And the the only issue with salt, they try and say salt causes high blood pressure and things like that. Salt retention. Um, it can lead to high blood pressure. But the only reason we retain salt is when we're eating a high carb diet. When you're not eating a high carb diet, you don't retain the salt. So it doesn't matter how much salt you eat. 
Um, and, you know, they're the things that they leave out, of course. That, that's why when you first go, you know, a lot of people get keto flu when they first go, you know, low carb. And what that is, is just low electrolytes because you're not used to your body dumping the salt. And as soon as you add the salt in, um, it, it's fine. You know, we work with people who are, who are migrainers, who, who have the and genetic disposition, which makes them more open to migraines. And their cure is salt. They drink, drink salt water low carb diet and it cures it just just salt you know the the one guy i'm working with he said if, if he feels one coming on he'll drink salt water and he's gone so salt's essential to humans and they've as you say they've demonized it like they did with fat and um and it's it's trying to educate people to move away from them but it is quite well entrenched yeah that's a really interesting point about migraine sufferers my wife suffers from migraines so that's maybe something that, that she can try in terms of you know upping her salt intake and yeah definitely up her carb intake if if, if she suffers if she Tell her to have a, a glass of water first thing in the morning, last thing at night with about an eighth of a teaspoon of salt. Can use just table salt or whatever. And yeah, if she could lower carb and salt her food through the day and that that will make um, will make a difference to her for sure. Brilliant. All right. I think, um, go on, Barry. Did you want to say something? You jump in. No, just think the advice. Um, but the, we, we, that's what we give here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, all, it's, all very, it's all very well researched and... You know, it's it's about the nuances as well. You know, we, the nuances are something that most people, um, unfortunately, don't pick up on, and it's just trying to make that as as, as understandable as possible. Um, and 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 the fact that, and and that when you do acquire the knowledge, then it really is a optimal living is very simple. Yeah, absolutely. That that's the message that that we try to give, and everyone who comes on and shares their story backs it up you know as far as you have today you you simplified it and you and you got great results from it and that is simple is really the key and it's not that hard and that's what we try and encourage people to do is open your mind and at least be willing to give it a try you know at, at least do it you know at least 30 days um you know i'm gonna I've been thinking for a little while I was going to speak speak to you after the show, Barry. I think that at some point I want to do like a 30 day challenge for people and, and try and get as many people just to just to just try it for 30 days, you know, sort of get a group going and everyone sort of support each other and just try 30 days can make a big yep. difference. I mean, Vaz, sure. obviously, you know, what did you say? Six weeks and you and you lost all that all that weight in just six weeks, was it? Yes, four stone in about six weeks. Um yeah. because I, I I was hitting all the points. Um, for, for those, again, just starting out on, on like a weight loss journey, if you don't want to do intermittent fasting, it's absolutely fine. But I, I, the changes I would make just to get breakfast, yeah, and stick with lunch and just cut, cut out sugar. Um, those, those two things will make a, a massive difference right away. Um, don't worry so much about the exercise. Um, just try and get the diet in order. And like you said, Ryan, eat as simply as, as possible. Um, if you're unsure, Check the ingredients on 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 the pack. Uh, avoid sugars, uh, seed oils, that kind of thing. Um, just making those small changes will, will have a massive effect. But once you start to lose weight, um, not only will you feel better, you'll have more energy, and the fact that you're not carrying a lot of that extra weight, you'll actually enjoy exercising a lot more. Then you can start to do your exercise, you know, half an hour a day. By that point, you won't have you won't be craving breakfast anymore. Start pushing lunch later into the day. Before you know it, you know, you're, you've cleaned up your diet, you're exercising and you're kind of halfway towards trying intermittent fasting. So, yeah, that's the best advice I could give based on what I've learned. Well, we've got the before and after pictures as well of you, Vass, which are really, after seeing them, that it's really quite something, the transformation. So we'll, we'll need to uh, get them into, the, uh, into this episode as well viewers yeah definitely and that that's great advice that's great advice that you've given and it's it's just you know as you say it's one step at a time and it's the first step is you know the hardest and everything's a positive feedback once you start making those changes you get positive feedback and then you do the next one the next one it's easier it's easier and like you say before you know you're there like you know six weeks to lose four stone you know that's that's amazing like 30 days is is about four just over four weeks so if people can just try it for 30 days you know they're going to get good results, so that's something for for sure we'd like to do. Um, I th I think we'll pretty much wrap it up there. We we've been going a little while with our technical difficulties at the start, but we managed to recover yeah. and and get it get it going. So thank you for sticking with us, Baz. Uh, and no, thanks, thanks for your patience. <laughs> that's all right. Th thank you for sharing your story. I hope I hope you've enjoyed yourself. 
I have indeed, yeah. It's been it's been great. And uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, to future content as well. So thanks again, Ryan. That's right. That's no problem. And Barry, thank you again for, for being here too. Thanks again for having me, Ryan. Another uh, great story there. And uh, uh, as we said before, you know, stories are very important um, to illustrate, um, you know, advice that we're giving out. So yeah, great show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the real life stories. Like you say, it just gives a bit more to, to what we're saying and kind of shows it because anyone can go around saying anything, but the, the real life stories I think are the most powerful and we, we've got plenty more coming up as well. And um, some great stories from people to share of, of their health as well as uh, Baz's today. So we uh, look forward to seeing everyone again next week. Um, enjoy your week, eat simply and let's get optimal together. <laughs>